Today's Tuesday, February 26, 2019, and this is episode 86 of the Birdland BS Podcast. On today's show, the Ravens are keeping their young but cutting their vets. The Orioles kick off their spring games. The Terps are playing big down the stretch, and the Capitals make their playoff push. Stay tuned. Take it to the Birdland. That Baltimore home flavor is coming firsthand. Fred Scott and Ryan, tell them the word, man. Mixing a little BS to make it work, man. Sports, they got it. When excitement, the topic. Make sure when they toss you the ball, you don't drop it. With all that swag, you're going to listen regardless. Here comes the pitch, so it's time to get it started. It's Birdland BS. Yes, BS. Oh, yeah. What's up, BSers? Fred and Scott, episode 86 of the Birdland BS podcast. 14 away from 100. We're getting close, man. Every week, we get closer and closer. We got a lot to cover on the show, as always. Got a lot of news with the Ravens. Some guys are going to be sticking around. Some guys, it won't be. Uh, we got some Orioles spring training talk. Some Terps basketball. Things, yeah. things looking up with the Terps. We're going to get into the Capitals. We were going to bring it up last week, but we didn't have time. But we're going to make sure we make time this week to talk some Caps as well. We haven't given them their due diligence this year. No, we have not. Make sure we get into that. Sorry, Caps. Sorry, Caps fans. (laughs) But the BLBS family has grown by one. You're pregnant? (laughs) What? I'm just fat, Scott. That's all. I'm just fat. It's not mine. <laughs> well, we told you guys a couple weeks ago we were looking for a producer to kind of help run things. And uh, what better than a guy that lives within a couple of blocks from here, a guy that Scott knows personally has done some work with in the past on yeah. a previous uh, podcast. I uh, want to welcome to the show Brian Blake, our new producer, IT Blake. That's what we're gonna call him. What's going on, Brian? How's it going, guys? It's glad to be. Uh, it's glad to be here. It's glad, glad I could join you guys and uh, help you along this uh, wonderful journey so far. Yeah, man. Yeah. Looking forward to it. We really appreciate you joining. Appreciate you becoming part of the family. This is. Uh, this gonna Cheer. be. This gonna be good for us, man. He's tearing up over I'm there. I see up, it. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to free up a little bit of, of work for Scott and I, so that we can really focus on the content and make sure we're delivering. A good show for you guys each and every week. So, Brian, again, appreciate you coming aboard. Uh, Look forward to working with you and your role kind of expanding over the next few weeks. Yeah, new quick update as well uh, for those that may have come over from YouTube. Uh, We're unfortunately with with constraints and some things that we've kind of have come across with YouTube. We won't be going live on YouTube anymore. but we will still be doing things on YouTube. So be on the lookout for those. We're going to get back really into, you know, Fred, you and I talked about doing the uh, the instant reactions that we were doing for a while. We both kind of got away from those, getting distracted with, you know, personal things going on in life. So we're going to get back to those. So that's really what the YouTube content is going to be about. And for those YouTubers out there, we're actually going to break this up into segments for you yeah. uh, on YouTube. So it's going to be going to be quite fun and a different, different take on things. All right, Scott. Well, before we hop into the show too far, I want to remind you guys, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home, if you want someone that's going to go to bat for you, call our guy, John Sheffenacher over at Cummings & Co. Realtors. 
John's been in the business for four years now and is dedicated to getting you the best deal possible. He's always available to take your call anytime, day or night. For you Oriole fans out there, you know him as the guy with the orange button down, the black hat, backwards hat, the black sunglasses, and the black tie. Give John a call today, 443-604-6298. Yeah, you guys have heard me talk about it on many occasions every week. John helped us buy our home and did a great job with doing it. He got a set with everything that we were wanting to do um, as far as the the price, got a set with everything that we were we were saying. One of the things that he really does is takes care of his clients after the fact. Uh, he has client events. He's going through and giving tips and tricks to updating your home to get more value out of it. So it's really great. He just takes care of his clients after the fact. So as Fred said, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home, Delaware, Virginia, PA, Maryland, especially, especially. But if you're in any of those areas, make sure you reach out to him today, 443-604-6298, or email him at johnsheffa at gmail.com. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-E-F-F-A at gmail.com. And don't forget to let him know, Berlin BS was the one that sent you. All right, Scott, we're going to talk a little Ravens first, as there's a lot of news going around the flock this week there has been yeah man uh the most recent news as of yesterday wide receiver michael crabtree he bef- gone he gone before he even hit the one-year mark yeah you know he'd been with us officially for 11 months now yeah the ravens decide to cut veteran wide receiver michael crabtree which he was due a five million dollar base with three million guaranteed uh clears up about a little under $5 million of cap space. I, you know, this move is kind of interesting for me. You know, it's the wide receiver core last year, obviously, was completely revamped. They went out and signed three free agents. They went out and signed John Brown. They brought in Michael Crabtree, and they brought in Willie Sneed. Right. John Brown on a one-year deal. He's obviously out there as a free agent currently, and it looks to be like he's going out there and going to be signing with possibly another team. Yeah, it doesn't look like the Ravens. At least the Ravens haven't displayed a whole lot of interest there. It didn't your, look like he's a, he was the right fit with Lamar anyway. Uh, no, I I think, I mean, we saw he was the right fit with Joe. Right. Uh, with Joe. Maybe, maybe we see him end up in Denver. And that could very well be. Just I, saying. I did see a tweet that uh, John Brown put out when Flacco went there that I think it was a, a smiley emoji. We'll see. Maybe he's going there. Maybe that's a grown man sending out a smile emoji. It's kind of weird in my opinion. My thing about this Crabtree move, like you said, this is it was the less than 11 months. He was on a three year, $21 million deal. Yeah. So to, to basically say, we don't even want to, we don't even want to do anything here. It's just one of those things. It's like, wow, that was not a move that I was expecting. Right. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, once you've already committed one year, to completely revamping the wide receiver core. Now you lose two of the three guys that you brought in more than likely. Here we go again. Yeah. Well, and part of it may be coming out of that. The, uh, the little video that you can see up here, these drops of his were a little bit of a problem. And we, we, we don't, you know, we had a guy that had some issues with some drops. Yeah. When we had him, (laughs) <laughs> he goes to the Browns, and all wow. of a sudden, Brashad Perryman can catch the ball. That's the thing with Michael Crabtree, though. This isn't news about Michael Crabtree. No. Michael Crabtree has historically been terrible, hands-wise. You know, it, it does give you 
a red zone target, which obviously this team sorely lacks now. I mean, they do. I will say this. The, the one kind of saving grace about this offense that you kind of got to remember is that this team is built around the tight end position. You've got four really athletic tight ends on this team, three of which I think will actually be back with the team this year, those three being uh, the two the two rookies that were this year, Mark, uh, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, and then I think – the best blocking tight end of the group, Nick Boyle. I see him coming back with the team. The one guy I do not see probably in the fold in the future, Max Williams, uh, which is another failed second round pick um, for the for Ozzy and the Ravens. There, it kind of sucks. Yeah, but, he never he never really panned out to what what the expectation for him was, uh, which is sad because he did have when we when he first came out, he you saw ability. He just never was able to really truly put it together. Exactly, and it, and what you saw out of Lamar. And the offense in the seven weeks that he played was he relies on the tight ends pretty heavily. And him and Mark Andrews specifically had a really good rapport. And if you listen to Eric DaCosta and some of the, the things that he said in his press conference about blocking wide receivers being heavy importance in this offense moving forward, right? neither of these guys, John Brown or Michael Crabtree, were very good at blocking. No, they they... They were wanting to get down the field, get the ball, and turn up field. That's what they were. That's what they're, and that's what I said. You know, if you think way back when, that's one of the things that I said could be a potential issue was these guys were not wanting to be, and they're not being paid. They weren't being paid to be blocking wide receivers. They were paid to be, to be pass catching wide receivers. So, you know, I do question: does some is some of this maybe a little bit of Crabtree, like maybe exposing and saying I don't I'm I'm not happy with the direction and they said all right fine we'll cut ties with you and let you go to free agency we don't know the full story I was just when I heard that news that's what I was curious about is did did his opinions of where this team is going play a potential role in that because if we think back he expressed him and Willie Sneed both expressed displeasure when Lamar originally came out. Well, actually, I think the majority of that displeasure was more so on Willie Sneed's side at the time. If you actually went back and you looked at Michael Crabtree and some of the tweets that he put out during the changeover from Flacco to Lamar was he was actually on board with, I think he called it the Lamar show, kind of, you know, having a front seat to the Lamar show. And, you know, it, it's... It speaks to Crabtree's character because obviously his production severely dropped off yeah. once you know once Lamar took over. But at the end of the day, the options on the free agent market for wide receivers are limited to begin with. To find what they're looking for in a wide receiver, a blocking wide receiver that's yeah. going to be okay with maybe 40 to 50, 60 at max catches in a season. Yeah, that's a rarity. That's a limited market. It's a very, very limited market. I think they're really going to have to address that position through the draft. We talked about some of the guys that we thought the Ravens might be targeting in the draft this year. But DK Metcalf, man, have you seen pictures of this guy? Yeah. <laughs> he is ginormous. That would be a guy that if he fell to the Ravens, in the draft at 22, big body like that, I mean, 
doesn't get much much more intimidating as a blocker than a guy that looks the size of a linebacker and a guy in the red zone that you can go to in that corner and they're going to off that. into the corner, which you're you're, you're definitely going to need. And you got to get them to do it. Well, let's think about the other side of the ball here for a second because they made another big move did. this week in signing an extension for Tavon Young, three years, twenty eight point five million dollars, signed through twenty twenty two. It now makes him the highest paid nickelback in the NFL. Yeah. How crazy is that? You know, the nickel position, I think you would kind of mention it. You feel like it's, you know, you were saying, is that, does this mean that it's more valuable? Well, I mean, you think about it, right? So the NFL has obviously shifted to a very much more pass-happy league. And the nickel position historically has always been a situational type position, right? It's a, it's a position that may be used... 40 to 60% of the time, 40 to 60% of the snaps right. in previous years. Well, now with the offenses being as dynamic as they are, offenses running a lot more four wide receiver and five wide receiver sets, you're going to see the nickelback involved in a lot more plays, 80% or even more plays. So that goes to show it, it's the nickelback is really, in my opinion, more so looked at now as a third corner. Not just a nickelback, not just a package type corner. It's a very important position. Right. And the beauty part about Tavon Young, there are some there are some things to worry about. He does have some injury history, and that's part of the concern, especially when you're giving this guy that kind of a contract. But he's not afraid to get in there, get after the quarterback. We've seen him do that on a few on occasions where he kind of reminds me. Of like a a Webby 2.0, kind of like okay. a Ladarius Webb in that yeah. sense. Like you know, good in coverage, he can step out and cover in the outside if need be, but he can get in there on on corner blitzes and get to the cornerback quickly. So I, he's just a very versatile corner. Is it a big contract? It absolutely is, especially with a guy that has the injury history that he does. But to me, I think the bigger thing here is that this speaks to Eric DaCosta. I was just getting ready to say, what does this say about DaCosta here? Yeah, to me, this speaks more so on what DaCosta feels is most important and how you build a defense and how you build a team and the importance of the cornerback position. So there's a lot of things that that kind of plays in part you know obviously one of the big things that he said eric DaCosta said in his press conference was there was going to be an emphasis on trying to keep their young guys keep the their good young guys here in in baltimore and you gotta be ahead of the game to be able to do that they were able to do that with Tavon young there's a few other young guys from that same draft class that have some question marks. Does Eric DaCosta start bringing those guys in? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got You have to think about it. It's not anything that you you have to ignore. I mean, when you're looking at some of these guys that are, you know, going to be up for potential extensions. I mean, one guy that immediately comes to mind, Ronnie Stanley. Yeah, solidifying the O line. <clears throat> we need tackles for the next three years. Yeah, why not sign him to a three year deal? Right, you, deal, you, you got Orlando Brown Jr. who came in wasn't a starter right away for I don't know what reason he was <laughs> dominating in the preseason should have been starting day one, but nonetheless he wasn't. He came in and showed why the Ravens took him in the third round was a heck of a addition to that offensive line. They've obviously got problems on the interior, so if you bring Ronnie Stanley in now before he hits the free agent market. 
chances are you're going to save a little bit of money doing it that way. And then again, like to your point, uh, Orlando Brown's under contract for his rookie deal for another three years. You at least sign Stanley to a three-year deal. You've got your bookend tackles at like, what are they, 23, 24 years yeah, old? Yeah, they're young, and, and you can do whatever you want with them. Right, I mean. very, very versatile tackles. And another guy, another young guy that uh, on the other side of the ball that I'd like to see DaCosta bring in and negotiate a contract would be outside linebacker Matt Judon. That's a must. Yeah, I mean, the importance of pass rush and as thin as this team is starting to get at that position, very possibly going to be losing Zadarius Smith, very possibly could be losing Terrell Suggs. You know, Terrell Suggs, obviously, I don't think he's got much left in the tank. We've seen that now for the past couple of years, you know, where he comes out in the beginning of the year, hits that brick wall, and then just can't finish the year out. That's gotten worse and worse as the years have gone on with Terrell Suggs. So, they're really thin at pass rush. I think pass rush is an important aspect in the draft, and I think that will be a, uh, a point of emphasis in the draft. But you got to keep your young guys, and I think Matt Judon, if he can clean things up a little bit with the immaturity stuff, there are some things that I question with him that he just does. It, it leaves me scratching my head. He just he's a seems like an immature kid, but you got to remember he is a kid. Yeah, you I know mean, he's like 23, 24 years old. He's a young guy. When you get these young guys, as long as they're coachable, that's going to be the big right. thing. Now, another guy that has really, again, sticking with the defense, sticking with the pass rush, Michael Pierce. At this point, my question to you, the guy is, has shown his ability. I mean, anytime they were they were playing uh, in the primetime games, it was, oh, there's Pierce, there's Pierce. He puts a lot of, you know, Romo was all about Pierce and the pressure that he was putting on. Is he better than Brandon Williams? I think so. I, I think so at this point. You know, Brandon Williams... As much as I love Brandon Williams, I love his personality. He seems like a guy I'd love to hang around. Like he just he's seems guy like you can, go just, get a, you can go get a beer with. Yeah, he, he just seems just like a good guy. But uh, you know, Michael Pierce has outplayed him these past two years. Yes, Brandon Williams made the Pro Bowl this year, but I still don't think he outplayed him. I mean, Michael Pierce got into the game more often than Brandon Williams. Brandon Williams is basically a specialist at this point. I like Pierce's ability to get to the quarterback better at the defensive tackle position. So he's an important cog uh, in in you know in the middle of that defense. That's a guy that it's a tough decision because he is so good. He's going to demand a good amount a of money. good amount of money, which scares me. I mean, as as much as we talk about and a lot of people have talked about the the Ravens cap position this year, it's not as good as we thought. It's not as good as we thought as of yet. Now, if there's other moves that happen, some other cuts that could happen, Jimmy Smith could be one of them. Eric Weddle could be another one. You know, there's there's a lot of other pieces that could come into play, yeah. which will open more cap space. But you don't want to mortgage the next three or four years of the future by giving by giving Pierce and Williams mega deals. You know, you have two defensive tackles making a boatload of money. That would scare me. Yeah, it scares it scares me a lot too. I don't. It's one of those things that when I look at it, I'm like, putting that much money in the defensive line as as good as I want them to be, as good as I want this defense to stay, it scares you a little bit because then it, you're you're looking at okay, do, do are we going thin on offense at that point? Right. You know, can we not get the weapons that Lamar needs? Things like that. I mean, one of the things that you and I haven't talked about it, and I know we're going to kind of probably get into it a little bit more next week is. 
one of the names that's been floated out there as far as you know, maybe a reason that they were clearing cap space before was potentially going after Le'Veon Bell and having another cat pass catching running back, especially since you released Alex Collins as well. So yeah. that, you know, that's something that we'll get, we'll get into that next week. But when you sit there and you think, and you look, you, you, you want these guys, you need these guys, but at the right price. But it's got to be at the right place. Yeah, and that's that's the thing is, it's, I went Jack Nicholson there. By the way, <laughs> you want me on that line. You need me on that line. Wow, look at you with the movie quote. I didn't even pull that one out my ass. All right, I like it. Uh, no, it's it's yeah. Again, these are all important pieces, and ideally, you'd love to keep them all, right? I mean, these are guys that you want to build your team around, but you gotta prioritize certain things and you've already made the commitment to Brandon Williams. Unfortunately, I didn't do any homework on his cap situation. So I don't know what this year or next year cutting him would save against the cap, that kind of thing. So I don't know that maybe I'll get that back to you next week, but uh, you know, if it can work financially, we keep all these guys. And if, to me, if it means cutting some of these other guys, the Eric Weddles of the world, the Jimmy Smith's of the world, these kind of guys to keep some of this youth, I say we make that. I, I'm in, in complete agreement. Uh, but there's one more piece of NFL news that I cannot let go. Are you going to go I, there? I, I can't. I can't. I can't there? let it go. I can't oh, let it go. Man. I didn't think we were going to do this. Robert Kraft ay, ay, ay. arrested and charged with solicitation <laughs> of prostitution in uh, Florida. And it was he actually the best part about this report. Oh, man, this was great. It indicated that he was one of the days that he was involved in the solicitation was during the day of the AFC title game. The day of had to get his rocks off. I mean, look, we're all guys. We're all human. You know, I it <laughs> I was no I forget who it was. Um, if somebody I work with and they said it, it literally looked like the Asian massage parlor <laughs> up the street from here. Did you see the pictures of the place? You 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 been there? Uh, <laughs> I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was in you know shopping strip right in the middle, and uh, it, was, it was pretty clear. This shady. is Robert Kraft. This okay. So I got to throw this stat out there for a second. I saw this, and credit goes out to uh, Darren Rovel of Action Network. I saw this, and it made me laugh. Finding Kraft, the maximum allowable NFL owner fine of $500,000 based on media net worth in America and Kraft's net worth of $6.6 billion, that would be the equivalent of finding the average fan, you and I, $2.87. I'm pretty sure a double cheeseburger from McDonald's is more than $2.87 nowadays. I think it's like a buck fifty, but it's close enough. Double cheese, not a McDouble. Look, there's differences. I know all about the McDonald's menu. We're talking double cheese. All right, all right. Well, no, I mean, the whole thing. The crazy part is, I forget who it was, a guy that I work with um, that had said somebody on Barstool was reporting. Uh, they, had, they had reported that Adam Schefter, and I could not find the tweet from Adam Schefter, so I don't know if you saw this, that supposedly Kraft was not the biggest name involved but I haven't heard who the other was. I was or like, trying. I, I, like my report. brain was going there. I was trying to pull like another Mac and cheese brand. <laughs> <laughs> no, I couldn't. I couldn't pull it. What? All these brands, all other <laughs> Velveeta. I was going to say go. all the other Mac and cheese suck, but Velveeta is actually pretty good. Velveeta is pretty good. <laughs> Crap. All right. Well, you guys are enjoying a nice, 
Liquor Stop Brew of the Week this week. That's right. What are you drinking on this week? It's yet another local brewery. This one's out in Frederick, Maryland. Barley and Hops. This is their Glamour Kitty IPA. We didn't get it in the... Uh, <laughs> Did you just say Glamour Kitty? Did you not read the notes? Yes, it was Glamour <laughs> Kitty. Not Hello Kitty. Glamour Kitty IPA. The great IPA. <laughs> it's a traditional American IPA. This is what you would expect out of most IPAs. Very smooth. I will say that. Uh, 6.9 ABV. Barley and Hops is actually... They were the winner of the Maryland Comptroller's Cup of Maryland's top beer back in 2016. They also won like 20 other medals, uh, seven being gold. It's like a Michael Phelps type of accomplishment <laughs> there of the beer world. Uh, good spot, you know, to go to out in Frederick if you're out that way to pick up a tasty beer and a good, you know, good bite to eat. So if you're in the Hartford County or Bel Air area, go stop by at the, the liquor stop out on Conowingo Road, see our guy Jerry. Tell them the Birdland BS sent you and get your 10% off the brew of the week. All right, Scott, let's dive into some more Orioles talk. Yeah, man. Spring training is finally underway down in Sarasota. It's not in our notes, but Chris Davis is on the board. Put it on the board. Yes. Only after six strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. One home run. We were joking the other day that with you know Chris Davis, oh he actually played today. I said, (laughs) what did he have? What did he go? Zero for three with three strikeouts. He went zero for two with two strikeouts. Not quite. He went zero for two. That's right. (laughs) Oh man, this was uh, it was exciting for me. Look, you know the Orioles get back to playing a little bit of baseball. We saw some uh, some interesting young guys over the last couple of days. Guys that you know we've been wanting to see for some time now. Some guys that we wanted to see kind of what they look like after maybe some injuries or some time off. Some guys I didn't want to see. Some guys I didn't want to see. Maybe one of them is a guy that we've already mentioned. I'm not going to throw his name out there, but <laughs> Davis. <laughs> but I like, I like the record. We're above 500 <laughs> at two and one. It's spring training, Fred. Calm oh, yeah. down. That's right. It's spring training. That's right. <laughs> this is like B and C league teams oh, playing man. right now. When you look at it, though, they did make a move. Um, they completed a trade with the Rangers, getting 25-year-old right-handed pitcher David LeBron uh, for some of our international signing bonus slots. Damn, LeBron James bonus. does everything. I know, right? Uh, LeBron that guy out anything. LeBron was, except this guy wasn't the same. Uh, this LeBron was a 26th round pick. A uh, little different there. Um, <laughs> but last year, he struck out 19 guys. In 20 and two-thirds innings pitched. You know, I've noticed this with Elias, and I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's, oh, Christ, I can't think of the um, director of scouting's name, foreign name. Oh, Sig? Sig, right. I don't know whose direction it is, but he's, they seem to be infatuated with these power arms, guys that can throw in the upper 90s. Uh, one of those guys that you and I – have been high on for a couple of years, but just can't stay on the baseball field. Hunter Harvey got in a little bit of work. Looked pretty good. I mean, he yeah, hit 97, bad. 98 on the gun, which that's that's really encouraging. Well, let's kind of go back to LeBron for a second because the one thing I didn't mention, that's a great stat, right? 19, 19 yeah. strikeouts and 20 and two-thirds innings pitched. Um, yeah, that was in low and high A ball. Well, I mean, he's a so young it's guy. a good start. Yeah. But... 
I mean, we're not going to see him at the major league level for a few more years. No, no, he's going to need some work. And again, what do we end up giving up for him? A couple of uh, international bonus slots. Yeah, I think it was uh, two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, in, so in bonus slot money. We were hoarding international <laughs> bonus money since last year. Dan anyway, Duquette was hoarding it. Let's just go. Time to get it rid of it. If you don't use it, you lose it. Spend it. So this was a guy that they brought in. Um, a guy that I know you were kind of optimistic about this year. Jeffrey Ramirez got his first start of the spring. What'd you see in him? Uh, he looked all right. I mean, he had two quick outs followed by a single to left and then a four pitch walk. So that was a little concerning. And, you know, but look, it is spring training. There's going to be hiccups. But to have hiccups like that early, it's not it's never a good sign. Because I mean, it, it means a guy's really not ready or he's other guys are seeing the ball so well so well so early in camp that they're only going to get better hitting off of him yes and no i mean the thing you got to remember about spring training especially the first couple of games in spring training they're not really throwing a lot of their junk they're really throwing fastballs and off-speed stuff they're like as far the as their cur- you know, as far as their uh change-ups and that kind of stuff they're trying to find the strike zone and they're trying to get their arms loose as you said so it's not so much trying to get guys out it's more so just limiting the damage yeah it, and, and he did he did do that he only he only gave up one earned run on two hits through two innings pitched uh did have two walks and a k so not not too too bad but there was a guy oh man that you just love you love him if by love you mean hate yes oh you love him oh. you love him mike wright pitched in this game when can this mike wright experiment be over i don't know dude like, like three I'm years so ago I just don't understand. And look, I, he didn't pitch bad. I mean, what'd he go? Two innings, three hits, 1K, no earned runs. So, okay, great. And you know what? That's just going to mean he's going to stay on the roster, and then he's going to get to Camden Yards, and he's going to suck like he always does. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Sorry if you watch the show, Mike, right? But I'm not a fan, my friend. No. I'm, you're, you're From what I understand, you're a nice guy, but I don't like your pitching style no, at no. all. But uh, a guy that you and I... Relate to in a kind of way. We're both catchers. Chance Cisco. This is a guy that defensively was the struggle. You know, they all talked about his bat being major league ready. So he got the chance last year. Finally, uh, didn't live up to the hype even with the bat. Right. But in his first at bat in spring, big three run home run. Bomb. 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 Gone. He gone. <laughs> yeah no it was it was a nice homer it was a nice you know he was hitting lefty <clears throat> nice homer out to left field or i'm sorry out to right field it was a great hit um but there was another guy which i was actually more excited about the second home run and yeah that came from your boy diaz yeah using el diaz man this kid you know i saw him a little bit when he came over at Bowie, just more so on highlight clips and all that stuff and i didn't really notice it maybe his body changed that much over the year. But to me, this guy, I mean, he almost had like a cesspitous kind of build to him. He's like that's, little, that's what yeah. he looked like to I me. I can see that. He kind of had that, he has that uh, almost like that free swinger though mentality, kind of like, remember Geronimo Barroa back in the day where he would finish <laughs> with the one hand? That's kind of like some of his swings reminded me of that. But, I mean, he got a hold of one. It, it went a long, long way. And it was a low and away pitch. Yeah. And it went. Like it, a Vladimir Guerrero type of home run where he goes after it and somehow got it over the fence. Somehow gets it over. Yeah. It was it was a nice, you know, down there at Ed Smith, it went into left field into that uh, that bar area and it went like to the back of the bar areas where it landed. <laughs> right. Um, 
So, yeah, it was a nice home run to see. Nice to see. Uh, another big guy you and I love had a leadoff hit and yeah. then gets a stolen base, and that's Mullins. Yeah. Worked account for uh, back from 02 and then had an, a stolen base. So just the the things that we expect to see from what Mullins. You, what you want to see out of a leadoff guy. You want to see a guy that's going to work the count, that's going to foul pitches off, get a pitcher's pitch count up, you know, he fell down in in his first at bat, 0-2, as you said, and came back from 0-2 to get the walk. These are the types of things that we haven't had since Brian Roberts. He got on base. He stole a base. I just, I really like this kid. I've liked him for a couple of years now, and I hope that they make him the everyday starter in center field. I can't see anybody else taking that job. But this is a guy that really, with him and Villar at the top of the order, you can really do some damage by getting speed on the bases. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I'm going to bring up a comment that was uh, brought up when Michael Elias was brought into the booth on uh, that game on Saturday. And it was a little bit of a concerning statement, if I'm being honest. The statement that he made, they were talking about Diaz, and he was talking about you know how he likes him. And his statement basically was... Yeah, he could be, you know, he could be a great center field, a great center fielder for us for the future. And that concerned me. You have a guy in Mullins with the performance that he had last year, with the speed that he has, with his ability that he's already showing you, and there's another guy that you're saying, "Oh, I may replace him with this guy." I it's a little bit concerning. I like Diaz. I think Diaz is great. But how demoralizing could that be potentially? To Mullins, I hope he wouldn't. He wouldn't respond. What if to. Diaz got this the nod over Mullins? Yeah, if you you bring this guy up. Last year, you have you have Adam Jones. Adam Jones, who yeah. can still play ball, uh, still hasn't signed, but can still play ball. Says I'll move over so you can have this guy's your center right, field of the no. future. And now you're saying, ah, well, you were our center field of the future. Now we're going to maybe go with this guy. We'll see. It was now, a little concerned. <clears throat> Diaz isn't projected to be a center fielder to begin with. He's going to be a corner outfielder, so he wouldn't be taking the job from Mullins. Honestly, I don't think they're going to rush Diaz to the majors. Not. I think that he'll, even if he comes in and kills it in the spring, I still think he starts the year off in AAA. Now, if he goes in AAA two months into the season and he's putting up numbers, we could very easily see him at the major league level. Maybe we'll see him at first base. I hear there there should be opening. Oh, Christ. It's like the <laughs> merry-go-round of first baseman right now. I, look, I we talked about it before. I really hope that they give Trey Mancini a shot at first base. Let Davis and Trumbo platoon the DH. That's weird. Platoon a <laughs> DH, but they should because I don't want as as solid as solid as a, a defender as Davis is and he's had a couple of potential gold glove years. I, I don't know why they didn't give him the gold glove. Yeah, I never. He, he, ha, he is a very good defensive first baseman, but his bat is just so bad. And it's a risk. It, it, yeah. And I want to give him a shot because you have to, because you're paying him so much money. You at least got to give him a month window to either put up or shut up. But after month one, if he's not hitting above 230, 240, get him the hell out of the lineup. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to do that. You were talking about the round robin at first base. So far this week, Davis has played first. Mountcastle has played first. Yeah. Mancini played a little bit of first. And then you also had, do you know who? Do you know who? Uh, Stevie Wilkerson. Oh, I did see that. That's right. He yeah. legally, by the way, 
changed his name to Stevie <laughs> instead of Steve. Who does that? Now, apparently that's how he went hold, when he was a kid. Brian, would you like to change your name to Bri? Hell no. <laughs> but, but you can change it to Balake. I'm okay with that one, too. So there you go. <laughs> the, the, the choice. There you go. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, that's, that's like, it's already starting with the round robin stuff. And it's, look, maybe they're, maybe, and this is what I said to you. Right. I think that maybe there is something that Elias and who knows, there's a mentality with, um, oh my God, why am I drawing a blank right now? There's a mentality with uh, Brandon Hyde. Brandon Hyde, thank you. Coming from the Cubs mm-hmm. and Joe Madden. I don't know if you guys ever saw the video, like the video highlight of when they had uh, Anthony Rizzo pitch and how like he literally had been begging all year. Then they got like a six or seven run lead in a game. I didn't see it. And he he went to Madden and goes, can I pitch? Madden comes out to take out a pitcher and pulls another position player to to come in and do it. So then the next inning, he comes out and lets lets Rizzo pitch. I'm sorry. No, it's actually that inning. He let the guy pitch one batter and then let Rizzo pitch to another batter. Like screwing with the result. Yeah. But the mentality is I, my thought is is maybe the mentality is that, that he's coming in and saying, Where are you most comfortable? You know, maybe Mount Castle said, Look, I really honestly like first base. I played first base all in high school. I don't think that's the case. I think it's Mancini. It should be Mancini. But that's why I'm wondering if maybe there's a little bit more of an open mentality, which I kind of like with these young guys a little bit, but I also don't like it. I like it because it gives them the ability to to kind of say, Hey, I'm really, you know, when I was in in low A ball and, you know, maybe it was high A ball, maybe it was single A, I didn't like playing this position, but they told me that this is where I was a better fit. And now I'm having the chance to tell you I want to be at a different spot or if I, you know, if I can show you I have the ability to play that different spot, maybe it is. But on the backside of that, it's not good because you can't have all these guys being like, oh, well, I want to play here. And then it turns into a little league team. All right. So a couple of things to your points here. So first of all, Ryan Mountcastle, the questions around Mountcastle is defense, right? And he's come up through the system and he came up through, you know, through high school as a third baseman. Right. And it just isn't working for him. His bat is advanced enough to be playing at the major league level right now. And that's what the Orioles are looking at is they're looking at a way to try to find a way to get him into the lineup. So working him at first base, even though they have other options there, you put Trey Mancini back out in the outfield. Chris Davis. Did you continues. Really just say that the guy that was petitioning last week for Mancini? To I don't want to see Mancini. <laughs> I want to see him at first base. I think he looks awkward in the outfield. I don't think his arm is that great. I mean, considering they just kind of threw him out there last year with no experience at all. He, he didn't did do bad. He didn't do a bad job. I'll say that. He played average, but I just think that he is a good first baseman. His bat's too crucial to this lineup to not have it in there, and Chris Davis is awful. So why is he even taking a spot up on this roster anymore? I have no idea. Nonetheless, you've thrown me off on a tangent. Um, <laughs> the thing that, like I said, Ryan Mountcastle, they're just trying to find a way to get him into the lineup. They're trying to find a way to get him on the roster, 25-man, and get him into the lineup. So that's why they're playing him at first. Brandon Hyde, I think what you're hearing in all reports about what's going on down in spring training is that everybody is excited, even with the expectations being what they are with this team. The team is excited. They're getting opportunities that weren't given to them in the past. And it's more so, I think, because Brandon Hyde, again, he's a National League guy. 
Mike Elias is a National League guy. They knew nothing about this roster at all other than what they had seen on tape and, you know, what they maybe heard around the league, that kind of thing. You got to you got to evaluate what you got. Yeah. And you got to start putting guys in positions. If if somebody comes up to me and says, "Hey, you know what? I caught 5 years ago. I'm going to throw him behind the plate and just see what he looks like." And if Ryan Mountcastle said, "Hey, you know what? I played first base back in a first grade tournament. It was in a, you know, wiffle ball league. Whatever. I'm going to throw him out on first base and see what he looks like." You, you just got what you got in front of you. Exactly. You and I think that's all it is with Brandon Hyde and what a perfect way to do it than in spring training. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree. Like I said, there there are some concerns about it, but there are some things that are good. You know, one guy that that had some good spots last year towards the end of the year that kind of really struggled um, in his his first debut this year in spring training was Tanner Scott. Yeah, man, he fell apart in that second game on Sunday. He had four earned runs on four hits through a third of an inning pitched. He was getting rocked. Yeah, I hope this is not a sign of things to come with Tanner again. It's spring training. You got to take the first, especially the first couple of weeks with a grain of salt because this guy is another fireball pitcher, right? And if all he's doing is going out there and throwing 95-mile-an-hour gas and people are sitting on it, of course guys are going to eventually get a hold of it. So The thing about that, though, is, is if, you're out, if you're out there doing it, you got to remember who you're facing. Right now, you're not facing prime lineups. You're not placing prime guys. So these guys are, you know, some of these guys are coming out of double-A ball, seeing if they can't make the team. Some right. of them have been triple-A ball. You know, so that's when you're looking at it and – Nothing against the Twins, but the Twins are in in a very similar spot right now of looking to rebuild and get pieces in. You know, they have Jonathan Scope now. So it's one of those things when you look at it, it is a little bit concerned when you look at who he's facing. He's he's still facing professional hitters, but these aren't most of these guys are fighting for a potential spot to be on a team. They are not guaranteed starters. Right. So that's my one concern is that, yeah, it's spring training, but if. If guys, if he's throwing that gas, and these are guys that are you know in, in double A and triple A ball, and they're they're hitting it off him, yeah. what's going to happen when I, he gets? The I majors? completely agree with you, and I completely see your point. I think another thing that's kind of flying under the radar here that might be affecting not just Tanner Scott but pitchers in general is that they've enforced this twenty second pitch clock in the spring. It's more so just a a test phase to kind of see how it works. But this is it's basically a shot clock for pitchers for you guys out there that haven't been watching or don't know. It's as soon as the pitcher gets the ball back on the mound, the clock starts and it's 20 seconds. And they have 20 seconds to be in the set position to be able to deliver deliver the pitch from home to home. But you're already seeing that fail in a sense because what pitchers have learned to do as they get up there, they get in the set position, and then they step off. And reset it. And then you reset, and then you can step off and reset. Bastards. <laughs> right? They figured it out. They're, it's it's what happens. It's what these guys do. They're going to do anything it takes to give themselves more time. Right. And so, you know, we're seeing that. I don't know how much it's playing an effect. Nobody's really being vocal about it as of right now. But the other thing about that pitch clock is they're saying, you know, Fred Manford basically said, look, we're testing it out in the spring. And from the the terms in his, when the Grapefruit League started, when he had his press conference, the Grapefruit League last week, he said, we're going to test it out. And then whether, basically, whether the Players Association agrees or not, this is going live opening day. Yeah. So he's going to use executive power and say, look, this is, we're going to speed the game up this way. Look, I, is a 20 second pitch clock going to really speed the game up that much? 
I mean, you figure, what, 150 pitches in a game, maybe 200. Maybe you're saving yourself five, ten seconds you're, per. You're right. I don't think it saves a whole lot of time, but Major League Baseball has a problem, and that's the one problem. The biggest problem is the length of games, right? That With today's audience and the way of this world and cell phones and everything that's going on, like everybody wants things instantaneous, and people's attention spans are shorter and shorter, like – you got to do something to speed up the game, and this is just one part of many changes that I think Major League Baseball will be making over the next few years in efforts to speed up the totality of the game. This is just one piece. Quick question real quick. Do you think they wind up juicing the balls in the next two years with this being like right now we're seeing a pitcher's I don't know. I, you're talking about you're talking about wanting to have more action in the game. I mean, nah, I'm not talking about wanting to have more action. I'm talking about because I, I honestly don't think the product's bad. Like, I, you know, I don't think we're not in that uh, era of the Sosas and the Maguires and all that stuff where that was kind of like the entertainment value back in the, you know, the late 90s. So you're saying they should get steroids again? No, I'm saying <laughs> I, I'm saying I don't think we're going to go in that direction. I, you I heard think, it here first. Fred for no, steroids. <laughs> I'll be putting words in my mouth. That's not what I said. I just I don't I don't think it's the product that's bad. It's. The, the biggest issue is finding ways to slow the... Not slow the game. Yes. Let's make it five-hour <laughs> games. Let's slow it down. We'll do it all day. No, let's find ways to effectively speed up the game without affecting the integrity of baseball and everything that makes baseball what it is. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, let's jump to our social media shout out. All right, Brian. You are on the spot, my friend. It is oh, social media <laughs> shout-out time. One of the new jobs for IT Brian, or is it IT Blake? It's IT Blake. IT Blake. Blake. IT Blake. Brian Blake. So for all you guys out there that are slow, IT Blake, what's uh, what's been happening on social media? Not a whole lot right now. No? I don't know. At least I'm not doing my job right so far. So, <laughs> <laughs> Who have you seen coming in the Facebook room? Anybody on Twitter? I have my Facebook up, so that's that's an IT issue I got to fix. I have, so. I have it up All in the right. back end. Do so. you? Okay, because my, my tablet, that's that's on me, folks. I apologize. <laughs> wait, the, wait, the wait, wait, wait. We have a sound guy, effect have, for that. We have yeah. a sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> the IT guys have no IT problems over here. What irony. <laughs> All right. Well, on, on Facebook, really quickly, we got James. We got... Sharon Sherry, which shout out to Sherry real yeah, quick. Big shout out to Sherry. Uh, unfortunately, Sherry broke her ankle a few days back. Uh, I know you're going in for surgery uh, on Thursday. Our thoughts are with you. You know, have a speedy recovery. I hope everything goes well. I hope you're feeling well. Let us know if you need anything. Don't be afraid to reach out. And Sherry, love I, you. You posted that picture, woman. Whew. I don't know how you could walk on that thing. That thing looked like it hurt. That thing is ugly, <laughs> my friend. Uh, <laughs> get better soon. Brian was watching before he had issues. Yes. Uh, we have. That's Brick. the problem. He's just watching. He's not doing his job. Oh, that's bull. Uh, our boy Brady uh, has been up, Brady? a little bit. Uh, Brian's wife, Jess. Hey, what's up, there. Jess? Yeah, she's watching me even though she's at home. Look at this. I, I can't go. go anywhere without, without the leash being on me. <laughs> uh, we got James in the house. Always first man. What's up, Mr. Caruzzi? We got our boy Ryan Shamel. Ryan, what's going on, brother? Joe Carlozo, Ryan Hewitt, the redhead uh, himself. Nikki, uh, what's Ryan, up, Nikki? Ryan chimed in by the way and says, "Well, I'm here for the Terps, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as per usual." And so everybody's everybody's uh, reaching out to to Sherry now. Any have you noticed anything or anybody on uh, on the the Twitter? Not that again. What's like going I said. on with the tweeps out there? Nobody's nothing. Been, 
I don't think anybody's been commenting. I, I have it up on mine too. Just yeah, I, it's, I it's, have to. It's, it's, what is wrong with you guys? Has what? everybody broken a thumb? Oh, is that too soon, Sherry? That I, that I oh, broke geez, a bone. Too soon, man. <laughs> sorry, <Jesus>. sorry. <laughs> Uh, I, think, I think you uh, owe her a six pack for that. Or I something. do. I owe. Yeah, <laughs> a, I owe you a, a dinner, well Sherry. Basket. We'll we'll get dinner when you're feeling better and you're up to it. You can give her a foot. No, I'm sorry. That was that was too soon too. I'm sorry, Brian. All right, this guy goes on mute now. <laughs> All right, Scott. We're gonna talk some terps. Ryan's happy. <laughs> Here you go, Ryan. This segment's brought to you by Ryan, Ryan Shamble. <laughs> We'll do oh, us uh, our turtle talk segment. We're going to start with the uh, the basketball team, men's hoops. Man, things are, are starting to look up. They had two big wins this week. Uh, they jump up seven, seven spots in the AP poll. There you go, Brian. Uh, or, uh, Brian. Brian. Ryan. <laughs> I know you care so much about the AP poll. What? They're up to number seven what or 17. <laughs> you blaming me for everything, aren't you? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they had a three-week seesaw that kind of kept them in that 24 spot for yeah, a while. about 24 for a while so after two big wins jump up seven spots you know, for you poll fans out there not fred <clears throat> for you poll fans out there there is one <laughs> poll that i actually pay attention to and i actually keep up with and that's the ken the ken palm polls so ken uh well his actual name uh, is Ken Pomeray's of the Athletic. Yeah, uh, he's a huge college bas- basketball statistician. Uh, he does his own rankings, and typically his rankings in relation to the tourney seating is like right on. And one of the things that uh, I thought was kind of notable about the basketball about Maryland specifically, they're up to fifteenth in the Palm dot com polls. Wow. Those ratings have the Terps ranked as the number 22 offense in the country, the number 17 defense. The only teams in the country that are better on both ends, Duke, Virginia, Michigan State, UNC, and Kentucky. Deserved by everyone except for maybe UNC, in my opinion. But Five. There's only five teams in the country that are better Oh. Offense and defense combined like that. So to me, that's a that's a pretty telling stat of what's going on with these young Terps. That's a huge stat. And when you look at, at the games that we won, the first game was against Iowa. Just quick recap. It was their first road win versus a ranked team in the Turgeon era. They yeah. were oh what they were oh and nineteen during that time. And Turgeon, so, Turgeon in an interview tried to play it off like somebody told me this stat that we hadn't won a road game against against a ranked team since I've been here. I had no idea that that stat exists. Get out of here! You knew it. You, you knew it. Being said it was on your it. your your wall at home. You were like <laughs> xing them off the calendar. And if it wasn't, then I have an even bigger problem. There, yeah, Turgeon. right. If you didn't know that, golly, but. The Terps had an 11 point lead with under four to go in this game. Yeah. Big lead wound up winning 66 to 65. So they wound up losing that lead. Uh, Bruno missed the last second layup with a putback by Cowan on the layup miss. Uh, so no, Bruno put it back. Cowan oh, Bruno put it back on yeah. Cowan's miss. Right. What, what, why would I think Bruno would miss it? I mean, it's always Cowan, right, Ryan? Just saying. Until, <laughs> until, until the, Ohio State, the Ohio State game. Cowan stepped up big, goes six for 10 from the field, three of four from three-point land, 19 points total. Look, if this kid gets hot now, going into the tourney, going into the Big Ten tournament as well, 
this could be a really scary team. Cowan, obviously the offense flows through Cowan, and you've seen the struggles that the Terps had when Cowan wasn't on his game, when he was putting up four and five point performances and that kind of thing, and he was shooting two for 30 in some of these games. The Terps just didn't look like the same basketball team, but you know, able to get a big win at home against Ohio State, 72-62. Yeah. to 62. One guy that wasn't playing in this game, one of Ryan's favorites, Eric Ayala, yeah, basically replaced by Sorrell Smith Jr. in this game. Four of seven from the field with 14 points. Huge performance for this guy. This is another freshman Terp that's starting to really make a name for himself in the lineup week in and week out. I'm liking what I'm seeing out of this kid. I'm liking what I'm seeing. The, the, other, the other thing when it comes to this team is the rebounds they out rebounded Ohio 40 to 28. Yeah. Beautiful rebound game. Spread throughout the team too. It wasn't just Bruno like it normally is. I mean Bruno led the team with 10 but Marcel right behind him with 8. And then there's Sticks. Dude, what have we said each week now? We've seen him falling off. He's not being physical like he needs to. That's the problem. And that's the problem. He wound up with four you know, rebounds in this game. In a way, I'm kind of glad. <laughs> so, hear me out on this one, right? I I think the Terps are probably going to lose Bruno next year to the NBA. I, I, I We've I, talked I, about I, this. I agree. I can't see Bruno sticking around for another year. Obviously, Sticks coming out of high school was considered by many a one-and-done potential prospect. Not anymore. Hasn't played to that level of production at all. So I'm kind of glad that we're seeing that because that just, to me, means if he's smart, he sticks around for another year and we don't lose our two key big guys going into next well, year. You need him to stick around, but you also need, you know, the, the thing that's scary on that is, okay, he sticks around. We've we've discussed on many occasions at nauseum Turge's ability to kind of coach these guys sometimes. Right. So when you look at that and you say, okay, if he does come back, how do you help coach him to get him better? And that's the scary part right now is what does Turge do? Because he's got to he's got to get in this kid's head and get him to be a little bit more physical. First thing I'm doing is I'm getting his butt in the weight room and throwing some weight on him. Oh yeah, for no doubt he absolutely needs to get bigger. He needs to get stronger. But I think more so with him, I think it's a confidence thing because when he gets rolling early in a game, especially against the smaller teams, he just becomes a totally different player. All around, not just on the offensive side, but even on the defensive side, you see how it mentally affects him. Part of that is just, I mean, the age, it's the youth, you know, being a mature basketball player and not allowing, you know, a, a, a bad performance on offense affecting you as a whole on defense right. as well. So I think that's just a maturity thing. And next year, if Bruno does go to the NBA, it's put up or shut up for, for, Jaylen, for sticks, yeah. man. He needs to step up and play big. Yeah, the, the other thing that I want to kind of just hit on on, on the, the Ohio State game, and then I've got a question for you. Uh, turnovers, again, a big problem for the team. Right. 15 turnovers in this game to Ohio's seven. So huge there. The other thing was keeping the fouls to a minimum. 11 fouls for the team in this game, period. Yeah, that's... Keeping them to a minimum is good, especially since we saw, we've seen times where Ayala has pretty much fouled out. We've yeah. seen Bruno Both foul big out guys getting times. in trouble Jay early, usually. Yeah. They're usually always having an issue. So 
That's uh, if this team is going to have any success in the Big Ten tournament, and they're going to have any success down the road in the NCAA tournament. They've got to rebound the ball. Continue to do that. They've also got to get the turnovers cleaned up. Yeah, that's crucial. And they just <sighs> foul trouble will kill any team. <laughs> But when you have players and a team that's so heavily reliant on two players, Bruno and Cowan, you got to keep those guys out of foul trouble if you want to go deep into any kind of run. You have to. No no doubt on that. So to, to, to kind of keep that in mind, what's it going to take to wrap up and get a double buy for the, for the tourney in a Big Ten tourney? Because you got Penn State, Michigan, and Minnesota to wrap up the season. So what what's it going to take to do that? And then where do you see this team being seated in the tourney? Uh, are you talking? Well, for Big Ten tournament, um, in order to get the double buy, I they they got to win out. In my opinion, I think agreed. Wisconsin's right there on our heels. Uh, all it takes is one slip up from us, and they're in that double buy scenario over us. They've got a little bit easier stretch than we do. Now, look, Penn State and Minnesota are games that this Terp team should win on paper without question. That doesn't always go as planned. So yeah. you got to you gotta put up or shut up in those games as well. But Michigan, even playing them at home, is going to be a tall task for this Terps team. You know, they did – they played okay against Michigan for a half of basketball – but they were basically no shows for the other half yeah. of basketball of that you know that game. So if Maryland plays their A game, meaning that they don't turn the ball over, they win the the rebound battle and they limit the amount of fouls, I think this team can beat Michigan. But it's going to take all of that to be able to do it. It's going to yeah, it's going to take them, you know, and and Ryan chimes in and says and says you can lose either Penn State or Michigan, but you can't lose both. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know, Ryan. I, I, if you look at Wisconsin's schedule from here on out, man, it's, it's, it's gravy train compared to us. And I just, I think it's going to take all three games for the Terps to get that double buy. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll have to see what happens. And then, you know, the March Madness tournament is sometimes you question those seedings. I, I see them seated as like a number five seed somewhere. I was going to say, yeah. So for me, it depends on how they do through these last three weeks of the season, obviously. Uh, but I could see on the high end being a four and on the low end being a six. If, if they went out, maybe they get a three if, and somebody else falls <sighs> off. But that's going to be pushing it. They would need some help to get a three. I, I, yeah. I Even if they win all three, I still think that they come in as a four. But if some other teams ahead of them trip up and fall, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. So... Let's kind of turn for a second to talk about our, our guy, Mike Loxley, yeah. and the football team. So he got some help from a commitment. Yeah, I heard this. He got Josh Jackson, which we talked about last week. Right. The story came out this week that Jackson's father, Fred Jackson. Anybody with the name Fred's good in my book. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Fred was a 23-year assistant coach with Michigan. 23 years. He was in the middle of his career when Loxley began at Maryland in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. So he's developed a lot of respect. They actually apparently have a, a really close friendship. Uh, apparently, Fred stated that 
he may have uh, may have told his son, yeah, this is a coach that will look out for you. That's what dads do. That's what dads do. Yeah. I mean, look. No, it, I'm saying like it's some fatherly advice. I mean, this kid's going to have a chance to start day one. It's not like he's losing anything leaving Virginia Tech and coming here to Maryland. He's no. going more than likely, unless something, God forbid, happens, he's going to be the starter day one. Loxley's putting a good group together around him. He's already got a good stable of running backs. Anthony McFarland, we've talked about him on occasion. I, I think he's going to be up there as the best running back in the league next year. He does what he did last year, that's for sure. <clears throat> and the, the Terps need that mobile type of quarterback to run Loxley's offense. And I think Jackson fits that mold well to his strengths. And, you know, Fred, the good fatherly advice, pointed his kid in the right direction. I think Are you trying I, to take credit for this? <laughs> not taking credit for it, credit at all. But I just think that I, I do. I think it's a good fit for both the Terps, and I think it's a good fit for Jackson. I think it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. I, I agree. Now, you saw something, and you were mentioning it about, obviously, tragedy with Jordan McNair. Yeah, so I love Michael Loxley. Like, there, there's just so much to like about this guy. One, because I'm a Terps fan, and, and, and I think that he was the right hire for many different reasons. Obviously, he had the relationship with the McNair family. Right. And, you know, it meant a lot to him. And, uh, you know, obviously he was heartbroken uh, when when the tragedy went down. But, uh, you know, this this goes to show even as busy as a man that Michael Loxley is now, he still was able to take out time for the Jordan McNair Foundation. They had an event the other day over at uh, the Chipotle at College Park is held, I think it was Sunday. Hundreds of people turned out for the event. A lot of money was raised. This was something that, again, he didn't have to do that. No, no. And it just speaks to his character. He wasn't around. He wasn't here when it all happened. But it it, it just yeah. showed, to your point, it's his character. It shows who he is. Right. And, and not letting Jordan's spirit die and allowing him to just carry on the legacy that Jordan left behind. It, it, it means a lot, especially if you're a Terps fan. Um, it, I can guarantee you it meant a lot to his teammates. I, I 100% that that line. I'm sure was all behind this. Yeah, and, and I'm it, sure they, uh, they down a few uh, burritos while they were there. I, I'm sure. <laughs> and you know, obviously this, uh, uh, the immense effect that it probably had on his family as well. You know, yeah. knowing that, I, was I, I wish you me. and I could have been had the chance yeah, to get down there. I would have liked to have been there. Uh, shout out to Michael Loxley for for doing that. Uh, it just again speaks highly to his character and uh, great gesture by him. All right, Scott, man, we're going to talk a little different sport, a sport that uh, we gave a lot of credit probably about this same time last year <laughs> was that lull between the the sports seasons. The Capitals. Kamal on Facebook says hashtag all caps. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Capitals, man, it's kind of eerily similar. Very, very similar. Very similar. Like when you go and look at their stats, I, I, I saw a stat. I'll have to pull it up here in a second. Where they were at last year at this point to where they're at this year. And across the board, I like mean, you're talking spots. like percentage points difference from where they were. Currently, they sit fifth in the Eastern Conference standings at 35, 21, and 7. 
77 points. They're four points back of Boston for second place. So the East is pretty much wide open still. And they've still got, what, 18 games left in the regular season now? Yep, 18 games left. They just actually wrapped up what was one of the <laughs> longest road trips, six straight games. They went three and three. It was the longest road trip in the team in more than 15 years. Crazy, crazy road trip. Well, but, you know, Cavs, hey, look, if you're going to split three and three on a six-game road trip, I'll take that 10 out of 10 times. And then to come back home after a six-game road trip and beat the Rangers six to five in overtime. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot of traveling and then getting back and then having, you know, having to be on the ice and ready to go and going against a team like the Rangers. It's not It's not a bad way to go. Not at all. And when you look at the, the Eastern Conference, like I said, it's kind of wide open. I will say this. Tampa Bay is damn good. Yeah, they are. They're the team to beat right I, now. I mean, it's, from a team standpoint, looking at them statistically, they pretty much rule the NHL in all statistics as a team. Uh, that's going to be a team to reckon with in the East for sure. But there's only nine points separating second to eighth, the last spot for the playoffs. Nine points. Yeah. So, again, this cap, this Caps team can climb right up to that second spot if they continue to play well, or they could fall and find themselves in danger of get, you know of losing a spot in the playoffs because it's so tight like that. I don't see that happening. I mean, like we said, when you really look at the stats and you break down where this team is at, Alex Ovechkin having another MVP-type year, in my opinion, he's just doing – Alex Ovechkin things. What's he got? Like 44, 45 goals already? Leads the NHL, 44 goals, 72 points. I mean, that's, you know, some people question if he was ever going to, you know, if he's going to start slowing down. And now that he won a Stanley Cup, will it, what else has he got to play for? That kind of thing. Another one. <laughs> this man's a gamer. <laughs> he wants another Stanley Cup. I'll Man, he's right a now. freaking gamer. Man, he, he's a gamer. You know who else is a gamer? Braden Holby. Yeah, Mr. Consistency. Man, he's staying on par for the course as he played last season, right around three, you three know, goals games, a game. three goals a game. But he also set the franchise record for seven straight seasons with twenty plus wins, passing Olaf Kolzig. Only the goalie. Exactly. Yeah, man, that's that's a pretty impressive stat, you know. Not that not that this franchise really has like a history of amazing goaltenders or goaltenders that have been here for any long stretch of period of time, but for me, growing up, you know, in the 80s and 90s, obviously the last time before this Stanley Cup, the last time the, the Caps even had a shot at the Stanley Cup was back in the late 90s when Ole was behind goal. And he was an important cog to that team's success for a very long time. And that is exactly what Braden means to this team as well. Um, but they did make a couple of moves, talking about the Caps. They did make a couple of moves to kind of shore up this playoff run, similar to last year about this time when they made the Shattenkirk move to kind of help you know on the defensive side with them. Uh, they did make a couple of trades. They got defenseman Nick Jensen from the Red Wings and forward Carl Hagelin from the Los Angeles Kings. Caps were previously... Before these trades, they were 22nd in the league in penalty kill effectiveness. So they obviously targeted these guys to help with the penalty kill. 
What did you see in these transactions? What were the, what did we give away? What did we get back? That kind of thing. So for Jensen, we gave up a 2020 second round pick. Um, so to have, it's not a bad move for, for, um, for Jensen, because we also did, we did give up Madison Bowie, who has been okay. He's an average guy, right. um, has some potential though, but young, to, young guy to only give up a second round pick for Jensen, who, who can be effective now was a great move. Um, and then for Hagelin, we sent a 2019 third round pick and a conditional 2026 round pick uh, if we advance past the second round. Okay. All right. So in my opinion, that's that's pretty fair deals. I mean, Hagelin, he's going to add some versatility, some stability and effectiveness to, effectiveness to the uh, penalty kill, like we mentioned. Uh, he, he was having a pretty disappointing season out in L.A. If you just go and look at the numbers, it won't make a whole lot of sense to you. He's one of those moves that's kind of the right fit, right team. Right. Uh, I think that he can come in and fill a need for this team. You know, in a corresponding move with these deals, the the Capitals did waive Devontae Smith Pelly, a kid a guy that we were you, high on last year. We were year. real high on him, especially in the playoffs. I mean, he played out of his mind. And I think that's kind of what the Caps hope was going into this season was that success that he had in the playoffs would kind of carry over to this year. And he never got going. I mean, he he just he was very disappointing. Uh, if you go look at his stats, he didn't put up any numbers. So this was a move that kind of hap- had to happen. I always liked Smith Pelly, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to put up and you got to be able to produce. And he just wasn't doing it. You have to. Now there was another move that was actually made, uh, which breaking news by the way, at least breaking since the show began, uh, the Caps did win against the Ottawa Senators Hey-o! tonight. 7-2. to two. Nice. Great game. Uh, Holtby with another win here. Hegelin did have uh, four shots, so already being, you know, having some effectiveness of taking some shots on All goal right. here. Like so, it. love to see that. But they signed goalie Phoenix Copley. Young guy. Was like a three-year deal or something? Three-year, 3.3. So, not a whole lot of cost. Not a bad backup nah. for the cost that you're getting. He's got 13 wins. He does actually have a lower average goal average per game. And very and, limited play. Right. But save percentage, 90.4%. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, that's that's one thing that uh, we've seen a lot with the, with the Capitals is they, they tend to play musical chairs with the backup goaltender position. You know, Philip Grubauer was a very good backup, and he deserved a shot as a starting goaltender in this league and obviously Agreed. he's doing his thing out there in Colorado now so kudos to him um, this is just the caps trying to find that diamond in the rough that can help spare Hopi a little bit of extra time as they position themselves for that long stretch yep. of a playoff run NHL hockey NHL playoffs are a grind you know, yeah. the, the it's not like the NFL where it's a game, you know, a couple, couple games. You're talking, what, uh, four games if you're going wild card division. These are seven-game series, and the Caps don't tend to sweep in four games. They usually end up going at least six, if not seven, and, and, and keeping you on the edge of your seat to that last game. And that's – you need you – need- the guy, like you said, that can give Hobie a break because you can't be trotting out. You know, the equivalent of, of having your goalie playing every game in the playoffs is the equivalent of trotting out your starting pitcher every game 
right in the MLB. So it, it's there. So. Throwing up my gang signs again. <laughs> What's up? The two minute warning. <laughs> All right, Fred. Oh, man. This week, you got a. How many you got this week? You got one, two, three, four, five, six. You got six. Okay. Okay. A little, a little long. <laughs> let's, see, let's see how you can, uh, how you can get through this, my friend. I'm we'll curious. see, man. There's a lot of things to talk about. All right, man. Your two minute warning. It starts meow. Timberwolves center Carl Anthony Towns was in a severe accident on Thursday, which put his life in danger. Towns said that after being hit by a semi, that he had a 5% chance of survival and is lucky to be alive. He told reporters that wearing his seatbelt saved him from going through the windshield from the passenger seat of the vehicle. Towns got lucky and it only has minor injuries and is now out of the team's concussion protocol. So thank God for that. Here's a feel gold story for you. Feel goal? No. Feel good story for you. Top WWE talent Roman Reigns stepped away back in October of last year when he announced that he had been battling leukemia and had to step away from what he loved. Well, on Monday Night Raw, he returned and announced that he's officially in remission. Good for him. Many fans began to chant WrestleMania, and Reigns immediately said, I need to walk before I run. The babyface legend's not always been a fan favorite, but it's good to hear stories like this, man. So good for you. With all the superstars finally getting their deals in place, the Colorado Rockies decided to jump on their star early by signing third baseman Nolan Arenado to an eight-year extension for a reported $260 million. Damn! Smart move for the Rockies, though, as as the contracts continue to get more and more out of hand. The annual average salary actually works out to be more than Manny's deal at $32.5 million per year. Wow. Yikes! The NFL announced Tuesday that Dallas Cowboys pass rusher Randy Gregory has been suspended indefinitely for, again, violating the NFL substance abuse policy in the terms of his conditional reinstatement. Gregory missed all but two games in 2016 and the entire 2017 season because of multiple violations of the policy in his first two seasons with the Cowboys. He returned to play in 14 games of 18 and finished second on the Cowboys with six sacks. And what I thought was a really classy move, Clippers head coach Doc Rivers stopped his game against the Dallas Mavericks on Monday night to take a second in honor of future Hall of Famer Dirk Nowitzki and what was more than likely his last game in L.A. Dang it. Almost got through it. That was a classy move, though. That was pretty cool. It put Dirk in tears, man. It really did. It brought him to tears. But it, just a classy move by Doc Rivers because I don't even think it was something that was planned. If you watch the video, no, he, goes like, he literally says, just walked over the table. was like, give me the mic. Like that was just a, that was a really cool move. Not something that he had to do. So no, really, Doc being Doc, really classy move by Doc here. All right, man. Well, we want to thank everybody for joining us this week. As always, we want to remind all of you guys to check us out, www.birdlandbs.com. You can see all of our episodes. You can learn about each of us. You can contact us. You can get yourself some Birdland BS gear. I'm wearing it every week. You always see it. Big shout out to KZ, Ken Zalis, for the Harbs World Order shirt, <laughs> yeah. man. I meant to say something about that earlier. Shout out to kudos to KZ. Yeah, go, go hit up go KZ. Go follow at KZ Fans Fantasy. at Fans Fantasy. That's right. Uh, but also make sure you visit BigPlay.com, the Big Play Twitter page, and download that Big Play app they've got that set up they're going through restructuring it it's getting a little makeover right now but it looks beautiful 
Follow Birdland BS on all of our social media accounts. You want to hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, on Twitter, at Birdland BS, at Fred BLBS, at Scott BLBS, and now at IT Blake BLBS for Brian. That's right. Make sure you hit like, follow, subscribe, and share. And make sure that you also use our new hashtag. We want you guys to use this hashtag. Hashtag, that's BLBS. That's right. <laughs> it's all hashtag BLBS. Uh, so make sure that you use that. And your comments will come up on the show. We're going to be looking for that. Especially now with a producer. We'll also be able to look at those during the show as well. As always, be sure to check out the audio podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or any podcast app of your choice. Thanks for tuning in, as always, and we'll be back next Tuesday night, 8.45 Eastern Standard Time. From Fred, myself, and now IT Brian, we'll see you guys next week. See ya!